The Thrivecast is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to helping accounting professionals save time and grow their practice. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor program, you can truly boost your efficiencies, collaborate with clients, and play a pivotal role in fueling their success. Follow the link in the show notes to find out more. Everybody, welcome to the March Thrive Cast. Don't you know I'm Jason? And don't you know that I am Greg Kite? Don't you and know? Got, don't you know? And we're, it, dude, it's a we've got a great one today. Yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna go. We're di- we're going a different direction this month, I think, because because uh, because we're, we're this month uh, our whole theme is growing fast. Yeah. is taking taking your firm and making it blow up yeah. in a in a fast manner right. which i we haven't talked about that before no in the I, I think six it's years. important yeah and i don't know that a lot of people grow firms fast but you know what we have a guest Josh Schweig from Canada of Live CA and his firm has grown very fast like yeah. scary fast and we're going to ask him what did you blow up yeah, exactly. And the reason why I'm thinking it's taken it in a uh, in a different direction is because a lot. I mean, I think a lot of what we really talk about is d- being really intentional with your growth, N- not growing right. fast, but growing right. And obviously, we're That's not trying true. to downplay the growing right, but this time we're really going to focus on the growing fast and see what what you got to do to do that and to do it right. Obviously, because. Uh, because of that, so and our um, yeah, and our producer Jennifer Blummer, she got us. She found us an article on seven secrets to actually yes. growing. I don't know if they're really secrets, but you know, seven secrets to grow a business fast. It was more <laughs> of a general article that we'll link up, but it kind of gives us some some thoughts on you know it. It's a general article where somebody interviewed other business owners about their thoughts on how can you grow fast safely, I guess, yeah. or the right yeah. way. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, and one of the things that I think was actually even missing for, or maybe it was just outside of the scope of this article is, is almost is like taking a step back, um, and talking about growth itself, um, and, and, and defining growth okay. because growth can mean different things. So it's like, what, so like Jason, do you, well, I guess, I mean, even for you, for your firm, are you, are you at a place where it, I feel like just working with you? Yeah. I'm like feeling the heat coming off of you that like <laughs> crap is gonna big crap is happening like right now with you and your firm. Is that true or is that yeah. is that yeah? How do you how do you feel that heat? Yeah, but just because you you've got this, well, you're a friggin' bundle of, of like energy <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Anyways, you're like you're like trying new stuff. You're going for it, and right now, I like seriously just just with different things that you say and the way that you're talking yeah. and the ways that you're building new systems that yeah. you're ta- that we're even we talking about off the air. Yeah. It's clear that everything, your firm and Thrival, you're yeah. like going. We're that you've moved into a growth phase. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, we yeah we are. My partner and I, we are we are growing our companies, and we're trying to grow them the right way, and we're we're taking risks to grow. 
Um, but what which we're really yeah, which is which is funny because this article talks about taking risks, but that, minimizing risk, minimizing yeah. risk. But <laughs> we're talking we're talking about taking risks, you know, uh-huh. safely. You know how you do yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, we're we're in the midst of building a lot of infrastructure, right. uh, restructuring teams to help them understand what we're doing, and it just uh-huh. takes a but, lot of work. And and what can happen is it can go fast at times, but you uh-huh. do step back and you you kind of. Build some underpinnings, some some structure, some foundation so, to stand right. on, so that you can take a step on top of it and move on to another level. And we're kind of trying to move up levels uh, pretty quickly as as new opportunities come up. Okay, cool. So here's my biggest question for you, because I think if we if we can talk about this for you, I think the audience can generalize it. What does growth mean for you, both in both with Blummer CPAs and with Thrival? What I mean, th- with Thrival, does it mean you want more thrival members? Well, is that growth, or is it that, uh, revenue yeah. growth? Or yeah, that's prob- that's part of that's part of the growth. I would say in thrival, part of the growth, we do want to grow the, the membership because we we're now doing a lot of things for members. We're caring for them in different ways with our monthly uh-huh. community groups and things. These mastermind groups we put people in now, and these are good. So membership growth is is something we want to do. Um, yeah. But I think what you know, what my partner and I are trying to do is really get to a place where we're not in the weeds. We're not in the details. That's kind of, that's what, that's what achieving growth right now is probably going to look like for us where we're freed up to go do the thing we're supposed to be doing that we know we're good at. What do you think about that? You're, you're saying that's awesome. I am. I do. I totally think that. Well, because that's the thing. Cause what, cause what you just told me was you said for you and for Julie, your partner, that for you, what growth means is that you are, you're trying to move from being the person who's doing all the stuff to the person who's overseeing other people doing all the stuff. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. And that's, and that's the thing. Because growth is going to mean different things to different people. And that may not be what other people want. Right. Cause some people are going to say what, so back to like a, like a firm, you're going to say growth means I want to have more clients. Growth means mm-hmm. I want to have more revenue. Growth means I want to have more profit growth. Growth could mean I want to, I want to take, I want to take Fridays off every week for the whole year. That's a, that's a, you're growing yeah. an aspect of your, of your, uh, you know, yeah. what, what do we call lifestyle firm? Yeah. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Well, so, and all that's true for us, you know, it's, it's, it's getting us to a level of Getting us to the level we're supposed to be as the owners, but it also means more profit, more revenue. Sure, it, it sure. means that more team member. We need more team members too. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. So, so here's the so the next question that I would say before you even get into, hey, I want to grow and I want to grow fast. Right. Is is why do you want to grow? Not not just what does growth mean, but then like why. Why yeah. do you want that? Yeah. Why do you want? I mean, both in your firm and because I because it sounded like you were talking about that with Thrival and with your firm is that you'd like to get to the point where you're in more where you really are more like I'm an owner. I've got people who are doing stuff. I got to make sure that they're doing stuff right, right. But I'm not. I'm not in that. I'm in the business of right. running the firm, not doing the firm. Right. Well, right? I th- yeah, I but, think. But then why? Why do you want that? Yeah. No, that's good. I think. I think my partner and I have seen. Our ability to do big, great things when we're working in sync and we're not in the weeds. And okay. currently, Julie and I are are in the weeds. Uh, it's tax season. We're both involved, you know, in tax uh, season, you know, when we're thinking about our firm. 
Um, but we're also doing some <clears throat> very strategic things right now in our firm too. Right. And so we've just seen that when we're not in the weeds and we're working on the strategy and planning, really big, good things happen. And so we're like, mm -hmm. we've got to do that and only that. So we're trying to orchestrate and organize the firm and the structures and the processes right. and the people to allow us to go do the job we've seen that we're best at doing. Right. Okay. And so gotcha. we're trying to we're trying to get to something that we've experienced and we know is the right role for us to fill. We, we've okay. got it. We've got to get there. And so the growth for us means allowing us to get there. Right. That's, it, does that's that make sense? It it does. Let me let me see if I can if I can paraphrase what you're saying. Because you're. I mean, it sounds like for you and for Julie, you guys. I mean, obviously, again, we've had whole episodes where we've talked about, like our rocket fuel episodes. Yeah. Where we talked about how you guys are working together yeah. with your two, you know, with, with your two strengths that right. are different, but complementary. Right. Um, so, so you can, so feel free to go back and listen to those rocket yeah. fuel episodes. It was good, if yeah. you have, because, because, and it's funny because even everything that you're saying sounds like your growth, part of what that is, is you found the right partner right. to help you grow. Right. That's right? right. That's right. Yeah. Found the right partner that compliments me that when we're doing the thing we should be doing, which is the strategy. The strategy, which is not what, doing. That's what right. we should be doing. And when we're not doing it, we're frustrated. Right. So I'm going to say that that, I mean that, well, and even if we want to, if we want to jump to the end of the article, to, yes. the, to the seventh of the seven Let's things. Let's begin with the end in mind. Begin with, which that's <laughs> kind of what it is. Actually, that's funny because I would say that's another way to say the seventh of the seven secrets is always think ahead. <laughs> that's right? right. Yeah. It and was, yeah. For, to, to grow fast, the article said, always think ahead. That that is what we do in what we call our strategy days. Like every yep. Monday, we spend all day Monday focused on the strategy and the planning of the future of our businesses. One whole day. What? Yes. Yes. A and whole he, day. Wait, what is that day? Okay, I'm I'm totally intrigued. Tell me what that what what your strategy Mondays look like. What oh. the whole day? <laughs> the whole day. What? A, a full day. That, yeah. Okay. First now, listen, off, that sounds awesome. Well, here, uh, here's, I, I think one response you're having is, is a response a member recently had in our private, you know, thrival community. They're like, yo, is that overkill? Do you have a lot of payoff for that? Oh, interesting. <laughs> so they were almost calling you out going, Hey, are you just kind of like, <laughs> almost like somebody keeping you accountable going, yeah. Hey, come on. A whole day of strategy. Yeah, come on. Maybe a little too much strategy. Yeah. Get to work plumber. Yeah. Is that what? Well, and so, but you know, just what you said is what I think a lot of people perceive a business as go get to work, go do work. Right. And actually, right. if you're trying to grow a firm that's bigger than yourself or that does more than what you can do with your two hands, you've eventually got to get to a place where you are not doing the work. Now, right. you'll always be doing some type of work and you get pulled into weeds and details periodically. But when my partner and I are pulled into the weeds, it really is hard on us because we know that's not where that's not where we're strongest. We we do okay, but we're not affecting really big change when we're doing that. Um, so our our visions for how we grow are kind of big. So yeah, you know, and Good. we haven't even nailed those down yet. So I won't say what those are because uh, we don't even know. But it, we okay. just perceive things are so so big. The future is so big. We have to spend that much time planning. And basically the way it works is all the ideas that are coming out of our week. And, and Julie and I meet one hour each morning too. 
Really? Yeah. To to and that's our same page meeting. So we're staying on the okay. same page as we're running our partnership. Okay. That uh, which and, is awesome. Yeah, that's great. And, and our business, we devote a lot of time to thinking about the future and the things yeah. that we're doing. Um yeah. And when we do that, we really are focused on what we're trying to build. So Julie's Julie's the kind who always is accumulating a lot of a lot of things, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of her ideas. She has a lot of ideas too. So we're always accumulating these ideas in strategy documents and stuff. And so okay, on strategy right. days, we're kind of ordering those and go, all right, what are we going to be focusing on this time? Yeah. And we yeah. we try to get through two or three big and we right. don't we we probably hardly ever get through the big things. We got to think about, but when her and I work together on the planning and the strategy, just, just crazy ideas come out of it. And it's like, oh my gosh, we could do this. And then we can go implement those things. We go then do them. And she's kind of part of moving the the doing part. It, it's, it's a, it's, it's a trip that we've figured out how to work together that way. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm thinking that, and, and tell me if this is right, uh, you've got, so there's this weird dynamic. It's almost like a cart and a horse sort of thing Mm. is that to be able to grow quickly and grow well, you've got to be able to get out of the weeds that we're talking about. Right. Well, that's part of, but, but you also have to grow to be able to have the freedom to get out of the weeds. You got to get that straight. You got to get your people in place. So it's kind of like, so there's got to be, and I think maybe that's even what I'm seeing as kind of a a little bit of a spectator to the to the Jason Blummer empire is maybe <laughs> I've seen that whole difficult phase of it's like going oh, we know yeah. we got we know we got to get up to where we're working on our business rather than in our business, but that means that we got to do a lot. I mean, it's it's it, there's sort of a catch twenty two ish. Oh do, yeah, do you feel what I'm saying? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're always fighting that, and it's. It's pretty frustrating too when we run into it. So the strategy days, we're actually, you know, we're good at those now and planning things, but inevitably some, we hit something, we got to go deal with something and that's just frustrating, but we go deal with it. You know, we deal with yeah. those details and those weeds like tax, we're like her and I are pretty embedded in tax season still and we don't need to yeah. be. There are other people that can do it a lot better than us and it just takes away a lot of brain energy, mental and uh, yeah, sure. Energy from from focusing on the big the big planning, but um, I get. And let me say this: the way we do it is not the way everybody should do it. It's yeah. It's just the way we figured out how to work together, and then how we've defined growth. Because you're you asked me at the beginning, how do you define growth? Some people mm-hmm. might say, I want to grow just to a level of where I can be my a sole proprietor. I can build a lifestyle yeah. firm, yeah. and I don't have more work than only my two hands can do, and, and uh-huh. things like that. And I just would say there are limitations to a lifestyle firm. You just have to embrace those too. Sure. And that's okay. And exactly. Just know what you want. That's what you're asking. What is growth to you? Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's what everybody, I think everybody's got to think about that first. Because the other thing is there's, it's incredibly alluring to just go, I would like to create something that's big and important. Right. I mean, everybody would like that. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but you've got to stop, you got to stop and you got to go, wait, is, am I, wh- what does that look like? What is, what is important to me? And what, what do I, you know, begin with the end in mind, think about that strategy, always be thinking ahead like that, like that, uh, the article was saying, let's go. So let's go back to just to the beginning. One of the right. first thing, this, uh, the first, so we already talked, talked about the seventh right. uh, secret, but the first secret that they talk about in this article is hire the right people. Right. Um, you can't, 
And basically they just hammer on it where it's like, if you're going to be growing like crazy, you've got to have people, you got to have rockstar employees. That's right. Period. And, and I think, I think what we've learned is that this actually becomes a process that never stops. You're always hiring if you're in a growing yeah. firm. And, you know, Josh, we're going to, we're going to ask that of Josh Schweig. I'm, I would guess, I mean, his firm is rocketing growth so fast that hiring is probably been one of the hardest things because it's not, it's not finding the work. It's finding the people to do the work and right. then finding the people that exhibit your values and do the work in the way that yeah. you want them to do it yeah. is even, that's a whole training process. Oh which is my hard. gosh. Okay. Can I tell you a crazy story? Yeah. Uh, I met somebody so, so, I mean, we were, I don't know why Stephen Covey is such a big part of this podcast already, but I I met somebody. I got a good friend now who's uh, who works for the Stephen Covey uh, corporate, like yeah. for their yep. for Stephen Covey. He works. Yeah. yeah, she works the, for Stephen Covey. The son, and, now, right? Uh, yeah, for Sean. I think his name's Sean. Anyways, okay. I don't know. We're not we're not LinkedIn okay. connections or anything. Right. <laughs> me and me and Sean Covey aren't. But uh, any anyways, uh, she was saying she's saying. There's like she'll talk about how they're this company that's all about having an awesome corporate cult. Like people come and like like they're consult like they're going, My company's culture sucks. My people are are under motivated. Come help us. And yeah. she's like, you know what? At Steve and Covey, we kind of, some of us really like <laughs> like there's people there who suck at all of the seven habits. And like that's and, and it's and it's one of those things. And we should and we be in calling one of the, that out. What's that? Should we yeah, be well, yeah. Well, sure. Because that was one of the things I've even talked about with there's like on the one hand, nobody's surprised. Every company's got humans in the oh, end. Yeah, yeah. You know, that true. sort of thing. But on the other hand, there's so everybody when you think about somebody as like iconic as Stephen Covey oh, and the yeah. Seven Habits, and you hear about their company, you let you hope, you hope that their company is some magical place where you walk in and you know, rainbows well, and sunshine you know, is there all the time. But but the problem is true. Here's, What's that? It's just not true. Companies not, aren't like that. Well, but you have to be ultra disciplined. And even Stephen Covey's, you know, legacy company has to continue to be, has to yes. continue to do their own crap, not just their individuals, but their company. And that's beginning with the end in mind. And I think that's what we're talking about with hiring. If you, you can't hire people who don't reflect your beliefs and you, what you're trying to do, who aren't on board with your growth because you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. That's right. And of course, what's the problem with hiring? You don't always know that answer when, right. when you're trying to hire somebody. So the, the trick of hiring is trying to figure out, are you the person that's going to be able to exhibit our, our values? And so, you know, part of the hiring process has to be sharing your purpose and your values. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, we do that, but we need, we need to tweak it now. So, see, that's part of our strategy. We have an onboarding presentation. We give new employees that talks about why our purpose is this and what core values are and what they mean. And that needs to be updated. That's a thing now that needs to be updated. It's on a list that Julie okay. keeps. We got to talk through it, and we got to update okay. it. So you got to update you got to update your own onboarding of employees. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's it's outdated. I got to go update yeah. it. It's a it's a thing to do. It's got to go on a list. I got to have time to do it. That's strategy okay. work, and it has nothing to do with tax returns. Sure, and you know how you're going to get time to do all that stuff, Jason? How's that? How's that? Not have an all day strategy meeting every Monday. <laughs> Gosh, it's overkill, bro. Um, but if we hadn't the had the strategy days, we wouldn't, wouldn't know, know to do it. Right, because right, right, we right. wouldn't know we wanted to move forward so fast and hire the right people. 
<laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, that's and I think and here's good. here's one of the other things that I thought though too. We we talk a lot. Like we, I, so I love Tim Williams. He was at uh, oh, yeah. Deeper Weekend a couple of years ago. Yep. And the whole idea of positioning. One of the things that I think people like, even if you're really on board with positioning and niche and all that sort of stuff, is you got to realize your firm isn't just going to be. You, you're not just per, positioning your firm for customers and potential customers, you also got to strongly position your firm for potential employees. Because if you're trying to get the right people, they're going to want to come work for you if you're positioned right and if you've got the right culture and if you've been doing all that stuff right. Right. It's so like, It's like marketing to employees. Yeah. Like yeah. you've, you've got to become a good marketing company to employees to, to attract employees. the right people. And, you know, right. we're going to be asking, I don't know, we need to ask Josh a lot of hiring issues. Like, yeah. How do you get people fast enough to serve the fast growth of the revenue and new clients? Because that I don't I don't know how he does that. Finding people, and I will say we're a virtual firm, and that that makes it harder. Um, yeah, that's a change we want to make. We want to start hiring and bringing people to Wait, us. That makes it to hire, or that makes it harder to manage your hires, or both. Well, probably both. Yeah. Okay. I would have thought it would have been easier for hiring because you're not, you don't have to find people who happen to be in Greenville, South Carolina to work for you. So you got, you have access to a larger labor pool. Well, but you're saying maybe not? No, no. That's one of the issues. It, it's a fact. You do have access to a larger labor pool, but now mm-hmm. they're invisible to you and there's no, there's no intimate, impersonal, things you can you can play off of to figure out if they're going to fulfill okay. your value. Right. So it, there's right. a lot of invisibility to virtual and yeah, a lot of your intuition, right. your intuitive take on somebody That's is right. at least hindered because you you're not physically, which is weird. I don't even that that sounds like magic or something. I don't voodoo. Oh, it's it's all voodoo but and it's magic. True. But it's totally true. I mean, that's the same thing. I would, you know, it's crazy. I think we got I think you and me have somehow figured out how to have a great connection, even though we're on opposite places in the country. Right. But, but I think even like what would like the rapport that we have is difficult to do. If you're not physically, if we were doing this podcast live where we're sitting across the table from each other, there'd be a, you'd have a, you have a, a, a different feel even to this podcast well, would, a little bit, but you know, so, one, but one of the issues with hiring a virtual team is that sometimes we hire them and we don't see them or meet them for a year right. or two. You and I have hung out in person right, like that's tons. Tons, yeah. I Good mean, point. We've, 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 and you're saying you don't even have that with these guys, right? I mean, you and I have hugged and slept in Airbnbs together. That's right. I mean, we different won't go bits. there, but different. We have a different what? rapport. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, we're moving on. Moving Next on from thing. that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, Next, but you're right. Yeah, we we've done a lot of cool stuff together. I'm totally psyched about that, that's and right. that's cool. It's and so you cool. don't get that, and it's hard to get when you. We didn't have that. Well, no, we did. We were fortunate enough to have spent some time in Napa before we yeah. even started this. So we yeah, had years that ago. That's right. So yeah, that's that right. okay. Anyways, uh, focus on established revenue sources. That's step two. And you and I, I think, have a slightly different take on that. What do you? What are your thoughts on focusing on established revenue sources? Well, of course, we're not going to get through all these seven key points to grow your business quickly, are we? But um, we're going to get through the good ones. The good ones, yeah, because they aren't all good. Yeah, I would say a lot of people want to do some of the cool stuff they hear. I want to do advisory work and consulting and coaching and uh, technology integrations. A lot of people say that. That's all good stuff. But I can mm-hmm. tell you what the core of a firm is. 
is selling accounting, tax, and payroll services. These, <laughs> I mean, people buy what? that stuff like all the time. So, <laughs> right. so when you're not a firm that won't that chooses not to do some of those things, that's okay. You're just you're trying to build a different kind of firm. I'm just saying, established revenue sources are the the easy things that accounting firms can sell. And right. yeah, and I didn't list audits because. We don't do audits, but that's another one. Audit, accounting, sure. tax, payroll. I mean, you can sell that stuff. People all over the country, almost every business, well, every they, business needs that. They need that stuff. They need and it. You, but, but you still div- diverge from that because of all the coaching stuff that you do as well. That's right, but so, that's that's an add-on. That's the higher value stuff. It's not, right. it's not a lot. It wouldn't sustain the firm. Okay. So these are the core services and you right. go, you go, here's some other stuff that I'm good at, that I've got experience doing that I, that, that lights my fire. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the core. This is an add on. I hear what you're saying there. Um, my take on this focus on established revenue sources is more what I remember, uh, Michael Sue talking about Way This was way back in the wow. day. Do you remember when he, wow, long he time like, ago. What, he fired, didn't he fire like a third or half of his clients? Yeah. And did, but his revenue did not go down because he was like going, Hey, I'm getting rid of the people that, that shouldn't be my clients or the people that just piss me off or yeah. what, whatever, however he identified that, you know, this, this huge like portion of his client base. And he just said, you know what? Either you're not for me or I'm not for you. So bye-bye. But then the ones who were left, he says, you know what? You're the people that I totally love to work with. So I'm going to serve you even more. And they were like, bring it on. We need some more stuff. And so it, it wasn't, it was growth in a different way. Again, this was defining growth. Right. So for him, his growth was, I don't want to do crap I don't like doing. Right. So Get rid of you. And then the people that I'm left with, I got to grow you to make sure that I can still play, pay myself and my employees. Right. And that's, so he, that's a total strategy move. And he needs time to plan that stuff in a strategy day to make sure. Because right. you can do that right. stuff. You can hurt. I've done stuff like that, but without a plan. And I've hurt our firm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. I get that. Like but, we got rid of a bunch of wrong people, but I didn't even think about replacing them first with the right people. Right. Right. And and that's the thing. And I'm not even saying, so my comment is not so much on firing bad employees, but it's the fact that uh, he had this potential to make a whole lot more money with his existing customers. That was, uh, that potential Ah, was always there. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? He just leveraged it. it, He he, well, he did whatever he needed to do to say, these people want more from me. And these people that I already have are willing to pay more for what I can do for them. So And it goes back, you know, there's studies that show that being like, you know, the whole idea of retaining a client is so much less expensive than going and and getting a new client. Right. You you know what I'm talking about? It's it's that same kind of thing where it's like, I got, if I can keep these people, I'm better off than going and finding somebody new. And even beyond that, if I can find new ways to serve them, new ways to make money that these people need and want from me, that's a better way to, to grow. That's a faster way to grow too. It is. And is you know, that, that leads me probably to the last one we can talk about, but it's focus on customer experience, which makes yeah. your firm more valuable. And you know what? My, uh, my Julie and I were talking about this the other day is wh- what order of marketing should we be doing? And okay. we, we, we talked through this. It's like, do we go get cold leads? What about the warm leads? Like, do we focus on them? Because we have some of those right now. Or do we go yeah. do networking, which is cold lead generation? But you know what? We uh-huh. didn't think about the 
One lead we have is our current clients, like mm -hmm. and building customer experiences that that are really personalized. I think our clients have told us we like personalized customer experience. So when mm -hmm. we personalize it, our current client base becomes a referring client base, and so they help us right. grow when we can really build a customer experience for them yeah. that is definitely different. So. So that's, yeah. that's kind of marketing to your current clients, I believe, is what focusing on that customer experience, right. one of these seven things, talks about. Okay, I got two things I need to ask you and talk about with with regard to that. First off, what what is it that you like when you think about personalizing a customer experience? Yep. What does that even mean to you? Because okay. for me, I don't know. Like for me, I, I mean, not not in a firm. I know, I kind of know what that means to me. It means I need to I need to have more face time with the owners who. Who, who they're really my customers as the owners in these buildings that I help manage. But what does personalizing uh, customer experience mean to you in a firm? Okay. So, well, I'll give you an example from our firm that we, we try to do is we hand off the clients to a position called a customer ally, which is okay. a CPA that's meant to uh -huh. serve that client, fulfill the whole contract with them, accounting, tax, okay. technology. They do everything for them. And, of course, we support the CPA in their customer ally role. So okay. we, we teach them in part of the onboarding that employee, we teach them about our firm voice and okay. we say we're fun, kitschy and personal, fun, kitschy and personal, something like that. Yeah. I like it. And we, so, so, so we tell so them, so it's not like it's, it's, so you're not, okay. Remember, uh, what's his name? The experience economy guy, yeah. Pine. Yeah. What's the Joe Pine? Yeah. And we interviewed him, and he was like, "You know what I want in an accountant? I want somebody who I can send stuff to, and then him and his magic elves do my return, and I never have to talk right. to somebody." And what you're saying is that's not our firm. No. If you want that, we're not the right place. No, for you. and we we onboard the client for them to be aware of that. They kind of figure okay. that out that we're kind of right. we want to be a high value customer service firm. So we teach our team to have the firm voice. Um, yeah. So we teach them to use gifts. Yeah. G-I-F-S. So we go find uh, gifts on the internet. We use it internally with our team. We send those to clients. Sometimes we don't even say anything in a reply email. We uh, just we just send a gift that's going boom yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like and that's you sent that to me this morning. Right. That was you sending that to me. That's right. So that's part of our firm voice. And we tell them, we kind of tell them how to write emails. And when for the first month or so, we say, write your email in our, our private, you know, office. And we'll approve mm -hmm. the email. And we like to okay. teach our team to – we want to teach them how to Jeez. ask good questions. So these are part of our firm voice that personalize the service to the client. And we don't always do it right, but we want to improve and grow in that. Okay. So so basically, for you, personalizing the services at your firm means that your client knows who they – they know their – your clients are friends with the CP – with your right. customer – with their ally. Right. They're pals. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that's personalizing the service, which right. is great because you know what? It's so, I'll tell you, I mean, and this is this, and maybe this is like evil for me to say this, but it's, <laughs> it's hard for people to fire somebody who they view as a friend. Well, yeah, so, I guess we never, we never thought about that, but we, right. we don't, do. And don't cause it's kind of evil. Cause you're like, evil. I'm going to be their friend. Cause it's harder for them to, for, to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, you're that's right. That's your motivation. You're kind of a, you're kind of a horrible person. Person. Right. But, but I'm going to say, so even if that's not, I mean, you, yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. If the more personal it is, the people will like you and they'll want to work with you. And if there's something that's not going on, right. 
hopefully you're building a relationship where they're saying, hey, I need this and I'm not getting it. Let's do it. That's right. Well, yeah. And you know, we have not always done this right, but what we have found is that our firm voice, we, it, it, we can mess up with a client and it won't destroy the relationship. We can go to them and say, you, There's you, forget- you know, right. we've been trying, you know, we care about you. You actually know our heart in this matter is to care for you. And they go, it's okay. We're human too. And so they give us that grace when they know we're trying to attempt a, a personalized firm voice at least. So let me mention one last thing too. I had the privilege of getting to uh, listen to a presentation by a guy who was part of the turnaround team for Harley Davidson. Wow. You know, because they were like, they were like heading full speed towards bankruptcy. Oh. And this guy was one of the key guys that came in and turned him around. Wow. One of the things that he said is that they, you know, they were, they had this horrible image that their product sucked and that everyone, and that their customers were drug dealers and, and <laughs> criminals. <laughs> not, not true. That's, that's, yeah, kind of rough, kind of rough uh, image. But one of the things that he said is he says that um, that that you w- w- like he was saying in terms of marketing. This is more of a marketing thing, and this and I think mar- part of growth is you need to get marketing. You want people by focusing on customer experience, and you touched on this. If you're awesome at customer experience, your customers are going to talk to other people. Right. They're going to go out and be advocates for you. That's what and it's, we want. You want you, you, that's what you want. Ideally, you don't want to have to go to them and say, hey, do you know by any chance know anybody who might also give us a list of five to ten referrals? <laughs> right. That kind of thing. You want them going out there going, hey, listen, my CPA kicks butt. Yeah. And if you're a, and, and unless you're a dumbass, you're going to go <laughs> and also uh, have my CPA do your stuff. That's what you really want. That's and what that's we want. what he said. He said, he said, it, 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 nobody cares what you say about yourself. They care about what other people people say about you. That's right. And that people, t- and this was the big thing. This is one of the big things I took away from him. He said, people talk about other people. People talk about experiences they've had, and they talk about how people and experiences make them feel. Right. And personalizing your customer experience, you're putting them in, in touch with a person. They have people to talk about their, their ally at Blummer CPAs, right. you're giving them an ex- you're giving them an experience that hopefully is knocking their socks off, and the way they feel about the person and the experience those are the, those are the things they're going to talk about when they're out there talking with whoever all the people in their network. That's so really that's what this, we're going it, for. And it's a great way to to have this marketing, and it worked for Harley Davidson, so it should work for you. Okay, there you go. So that's that's the that's the issue on focused on customer experience. Go read the article in the show notes. And now we're we've been we've gone way over on this one. So we got to get have to, we? Oh yeah. shoot, yeah. We got to get to Josh because he's just he's amazing, right? And he's probably he is he's about to explode with all of his knowledge that's that right. he wants to. Give. He's going to so, splatter it all over us. So let's go. Let's find Josh Zweig. 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 Here we go. Here we go. Josh. Okay. Welcome back. We're pumped to have partner of Live CA, the firm in Canada, Josh Schweig. What's up, Josh? How goes? It's good to have you. You're you're a Canadian firm, but you aren't in Canada. Do we we don't get to say where you are probably? Well, we could say I'm I'm today I'm in Medellin, Colombia. Okay. Very nice. We International Traver. Yeah, Traver. We w- and we won't talk about what you're doing down there. We want to ask you about your firm. B- because you're <laughs> now 
So, Josh, what we've been talking about is fast growth in firms or safe growth. Some, sometimes, Greg, our discussions has gone into how to do it safely and or wisely, right. well, something like that. I right? think I think the whole thing it's like fast and safe. You got to if you want to do it fast, you still got to you don't want to kill yourself or your company in the process. So right. I think I think our conversation fast still has to imply, uh, you know, sa- safe right. and responsible growth. Right. So, so, so Josh, can you give us some background? Like, uh, when did you guys start? How big were you? How big are you now? And do you feel like your growth has been fast and safe? <laughs> okay. So we started about, I think January, 2013 is when we started. And I say we, because it was the Royal we, it was a firm of one. Mm, and <laughs> now, now we're uh, 35 people. Oh, in three and a so, half years, I guess. Well, not three even three and a half years. Wow, that's right. That's crazy. Wow, is that and is that all, that's that's all together? Is that thirty five uh, CPAs? Is thirty five CPAs plus staff plus admin to give us kind of a feel of that? Yeah, it's, it's thirty five full time full time team Everybody. members. Uh, there's a combination of people that are CPAs, that are associates, that are on our tech team slash support team or onboarding right. team. So we have different roles in almost different departments in the firm. But uh, yeah, again, this isn't like we have subcontractors or anything. This is 35 full-time people. Cool. Gotcha. Very hey. good. Go ahead, Jason. Well, it, do you, what do you think about that? Okay. So we, so you've answered one question, your growth in the live CA firm has been fast. Uh, would you say it's safe? Or you've done it right? I don't know what. What do we mean by safe, Greg? Anyway, it, like uh, you know, the the problem that people talk about with growth is that you're going to grow faster than your systems and your structures can support. And so, what you'll end up with is you'll end up with a really dysfunctional company going from going from one to thirty five in probably less than four years. It sounds like uh, that you know, did, how do you have policies, procedures in place that can that can because it's obviously going to be a lot different just managing yourself, Josh, than managing thirty five people. Uh, and, but uh, you know, are, so are you about to commit ba- to, to apply for bankruptcy? Do they have bankruptcy in Canada? Are you in Colombia to try to avoid bankruptcy court in Canada? D all the above, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I guess there's a lot of questions in there, and yeah. Let's talk about the safe comment because I think it's it's interesting being uh, on a podcast that's uh, from from an accounting point of view because if this were a tech a tech company focused podcast, they go, "She's one to thirty five people in four years. We're pulling the plug. That's right. nothing, right? This should yeah. be ten x. You guys should be eighteen hundred people by now, right? Or something like that, right? So it's it's actually interesting from an accounting point of view. We go, "Oh, geez, that's super fast because." We are the most boring types of growth <laughs> companies that are out there, right? And in fact, okay. a lot of firms don't don't think about growth and really what that means in terms of how to grow a company or a business. It's much more of uh, what what is the like you guys said, you know, going from a firm of one person. So what if, what is that person's personal aspirations and how does that work into their lifestyle? So almost thinking about it from a personal perspective rather than the growth of an organization. Ah. So I, I think if you think of what companies should do. And I know there's a lot of discussion of a, of, a, of a lifestyle business, but successful companies are supposed to grow because more people want their stuff okay. if they're good companies. 
Yeah. And so if, if you've asked how we've grown, well, how we've grown is because more people want more of our stuff. I think the interesting thing about being in a service organization is that in order to grow, your stuff has to get better and better because you're an advisor. And the, only, the product that you have is you, which is very different than perhaps other, other product-based businesses. Right. And so from an accounting firm, in order to grow, and this is why I think the word safe is a funny word, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Because that's the way, you know, any time you have a little bit of stress, that's what forces you to adapt and get better. And that's within the confines of just growth from a number of people perspective, but also from a professional perspective. And I think when we look at growth, it's really twofold. It's, yeah, we've grown from one to 35 people, but those 35 people have grown tremendously professionally over those over those past few years. Okay. So safe, it sounds like safe might might not be the right word you would use. I would let's use I, I would go for the word responsible or sustainable. Those are some okay. words I can think it make more sense. Okay. Right. Like yeah, if, I think those are probably better words. Okay, I, yeah, I that, agree with you. Yeah, because safe could mean could mean a lot of different things. Could so. be could mean risk averse. And we know that growth and profits and all that stuff comes from risk. You're not gonna you can't you can't grow in a, in an environment that's devoid of risk. Growth implies risk. Yes, and I think I think the way accounting firms have traditionally grown is I think one of the metaphors that we like to think of is uh, if you think of it just a glass and two glasses under it. I wish I could draw this out, but usually what happens in a standard accounting firm is you start to pour water into one glass, and as soon as it, the water gets high enough, it pours out, and then you run and you get another glass. And you try to jam it under the other glass, right? Uh, that's what right. that's what most that's what growth in a lot of accounting firms look like. You go one guy there and then they they get filled up with work and they go, "Oh my god, I can't do all this work. Let's go find someone else." Mm. And this right. and this doesn't change when you have three or four people. It just goes that's that's what most accounting firms it's, it was hilarious because every time I when I was in my old accounting firm, tax season was always a surprise. Oh my God, it's January. <laughs> what are we going to do? I was like, "Guys, you've done this for 45 years. Like right. it hasn't changed like why are haven't why haven't we planned for this yeah. why don't we have two extra people right we, we've never done this it was always that glass model where they're like oh my god let's get someone to to fill this void whereas that's not how that's not what responsible or sustainable growth is so st- responsible sustainable growth is first you build the tower you 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 put a bunch of empty glasses down and glasses on top of that, on top of that. And when one glass fills up, it just trickles down slowly into the glasses under it and starts to fill them up, right? Yeah. That's what building a support structure is. And so okay. to do that, right, you actually have to hire people when they don't have work. Mm. And that's wow. the risk. Mm. Okay, so we, need to, so we need to talk about that too. Because obviously, so in the last four years, you've hired 35 people or partnered with 35, you know, with some of them. Tell us some of your insights and secrets into hiring, not just, you know, knuckleheads, but hiring the right people. Because a lot of what we talked about in the pre-interview part of the podcast was you got to have people who are the right people for your firm. Right. How, what What do you do to get those people? And, and not just like, like, like... Where do you even find? There's not enough accountants around right now. So how do you even uh, tell us what you do? <laughs> okay, so I think there's there's a few ways to answer that question, and let's first talk about the hiring process. So the hiring process that we have here is the one that's been developed all the time. And first of all, the answer to most of these questions is that we've screwed up, and that's why we do things differently. Okay, okay, so right. The the hiring process that we have today is 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 a very 
elongated and a, a, a stringent and time-intensive process from both the candidate and our perspective, which is from a marketing point of view, we'll go, we've actually bought LinkedIn Recruiter. I think it's about a $20,000 recruiting platform, which a lot of recruiting companies will use. And we do our own internal recruiting. So we'll send out different messages to different people if we're looking for a manager or associate or senior manager style role. When we get, when we find those people that we're interested in, uh, they have to answer two questions on our website and submit an application. We use Recruiter Box as our applicant tracking system. Uh, when we like an application, we send out a, a video interview link for three minutes. Uh, it's, it's with an app called Kira Talent. Someone will do a three-minute video link. If we like that, then we go to a Skype call and meet two or three people in our team. The last date to all this is trial work days, where someone actually takes vacation from their current job to work with us. Wow. They do two full days. They're paid days. We, we pay them for it. And during those days, uh, they also they, they do two things. One, they do an online course that we've developed uh, using an app called Teachable. And the other part of that, I'd say the main part, if it's a manager role, is they actually have to prepare a file and lead a real client call. And then after the day one, we give them feedback and see how they respond in day two. So the whole point of this whole process is it's a very much a, a interview process from our end, but it also allows the candidate to interview us and go, Hey, can I work from home? Can I work with these people? Can I work under these conditions, et cetera? And in doing so, we've actually vetted a lot of people that we would probably have hired after just an interview. But after these trial work days, we go, nope, that person has, has a lot of difficulty engaging with other people or no, they can't work from home in an independent environment. So that hiring process has been essential into finding the right people to join our team. Nice. And you're saying the key part to that is because you're a virtual firm, first of all, mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so you're saying a key part that you've added on to your hiring process is bringing them locally to work with you or a team member or somebody and, and display and demonstrate what they can do. That's been a key. Well, it's, I mean, locally, they, they, they have to put on pajama pants and a nice shirt, and they sit in front of their own computer <laughs> and do this on Skype. So, sure, I guess that's local. Oh, oh I'm so, okay. I thought you would bring them – you would bring them – Okay, I, I got our, our first employee. Our first employee. We thought we thought that that was the case. So we we actually brought them to Chad's basement out in Tantalon, <laughs> uh, Nova Scotia. I don't even know if I'm saying that right because you guys probably don't know where that is, and nope. uh, most people don't either. But regardless, uh, we realized then that telling prospective employees that you need to go to someone's basement <laughs> in the corner of Canada in order to try us out is probably not the best marketing. <laughs> okay, so that and Chad is your <laughs> partner. Right. That's, That's the right. beginning of the of Silence of the Lambs too. That's right. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Josh. When did you know you needed a partner? Uh, I don't know if it's something you know. I think it's something that that comes quite naturally. And this is, I suppose, it might be on a tangent a bit. But I, I had started on my own. I was doing more of the tax. Uh, I admit, I was doing online networking to find out who was doing anything similar. So online firms. I had met Chad, who's doing the technology part, um, we decided to work together on a few engagements and we realized that when we marketed the tax and tech component in the same, uh, at the same time for the same client, that we could bring a lot more value. And that's where we started to work together. And then that sort of, we became the beginning of a partnership. Okay. And would you say, could you not be as large as you are now if you had not added a partner? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't think that, that, yeah, I think, had 
had we not partnered up, uh, I would likely still be, this is in Tel Aviv, I'd likely still be in my apartment with Tel Aviv, uh, making very little money and eating barrecas. Wow. Which is perhaps not a bad life, but uh, <laughs> well, you know. it, it sounds like what you just described is a lifestyle firm. And some people say, "I want a lifestyle firm." What do you have a lifestyle firm? And what do people mean when they say that? What do you think they mean? Yeah, I mean, I think a lifestyle really means that I'm stopping at a certain part because my firm is really an extension of me. And if that's the case, then sure, I could have my ten clients, and they're working with Josh Zweig. And because they're not, they're not really interested in the brand or uh, what it means to work with an organization. So they're working with you, and that means that you can revolve your lifestyle around that. I think what's different in the business is it's 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 something beyond you, something that they're that people are working with or working for uh, that that extends beyond the person or the founder that started that business. So. Uh, live CA, we're not a lifestyle business. We all have great lifestyles, right? But but certainly no one's working with Josh or Chad or anybody else on our team. Uh, they're buying into an organizational philosophy. Ah, okay. And that and that's the important difference between a lifestyle firm. So at some point you had to, you knew or you had to say to yourself, I'm not building a lifestyle firm. I've got to build something that goes beyond myself. That means I need more structure, more processes. I need a partner. And you kind of went down that road because you knew it intuitively. So I think one of the things that, that I went through when I started my business is that uh, I, I, I think a lot of people go through this after going through business school and, and getting your letters, your CPA. You think you're so smart. And then you go to the real world and you go, oh, well, I can certainly make money because I'm so smart. And then you go start things and you're like, oh, my God. It's really hard to make money, and it's really hard to get clients. And why doesn't everyone know I'm so smart? And they don't, and they don't care. And you're, you go through this whole phase of, of second-guessing yourself, and I think that was the, the biggest challenge of the first couple of months is, is just that dissonance between me, people telling me in business school and uh, big four firms that I was so smart and going into the real life and going, nope, not so smart. So, or that smart is not what makes you grow. That's right. And so during that period, so during that period, I would, there was a lot of times that I said, Hey, if somebody were to give me, you know, 50 grand or a hundred grand or some form of money, I would throw my laptop out the window and I would, you know, head off to South America, apropos where I am, but I would do, I would do something very much different because it was all about the money. And then, uh, what happened very, about a year later when we hired our first employee, his name is Dave. And I remember this moment when he, Dave said, he just, he just said, look, I gotta, I know we don't really talk very much in this level, but I just, and this is paraphrasing, but I just really want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be in a role that's not only challenging, uh, but you know, basically is, it allows me to do the things I want to do in life for my own time. And, and ultimately I feel fulfilled. And that was, nice. uh, that was the first time that it hit me. I was like, wow, like this isn't, Josh Swig's life anymore. This is a chance to give other people or add yeah. myself, right? This opportunity to be independent, to be fulfilled in, in, at work. And there's all, there's all sort of uh, things that are connected to having a, pair, a, a very structured organizational philosophy. And that yeah. was the first time I said, you know what? I don't think I would trade this for that sum of money anymore. Wow. Let's try to build that company. And so that yes. I, I do that, that there was this moment of switching from, 
I want to, you know, hang out on the beach and do taxes from, huh, I think I want to be part of building a fulfilling organization to other people. Okay. That's a cool switch. Go ahead, Greg. That's nice. That that is, that's awesome. I, and, and I like what you're saying where, because, because it seems like the thing that you, that I keep hearing you say, Josh, is, is that your growth and that this fast growth has to do with this this very intentional structure that you've created. That's you just talked about that with you know like with your in terms of your employees that you're able to plug them into this intentional structure and that's what is helping them feel feel this fulfillment and you and that you can have confidence in them. You talked about that with your clients that your clients they're not they're not plugging into you personally. They're plugging into this this culture and this structure that you've created in your firm. And you even at the very beginning you were talking about your pyramid of glass that you built before you started pouring any water into any of the glasses. That was cool. And 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 I and but what I what I'm interested just more nuts and bolts cuz I'm a knucklehead is what are what would you say so if you have to have this good intentional structure to be able to lock into this fast growth tell me some of the key look what are some of the necessary requirements of your structure? What is the structure that you've had to put in place to be able to accommodate this growth so that you could grow quickly and, and sustainably and responsibly? Okay. Well, let's, let's call it spade a spade, which means that I, it's not as if we, this structure is something that was intentionally built and we built that house of, of, you know, glasses that can be slowly filled with water before this is learning after the fact. Okay. Right. Um, right. That's what I'm saying. Help me learn that, from your mistakes. I don't. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I and mean, obviously the challenge to keep up with all this stuff is that when you're doing new things, you don't know if people are going to buy that new thing. And so you're always going this back and forth of, do I continue to put it, you know, buy another glass for that pyramid or not? Am I worried that no one's going to buy it? Am I, am I worried there's going to be no water to keep using that metaphor? Right. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, what's, I think we've recently made a very, very big switch as far as Chad and I, in terms of the way we, we've decided to grow the organization and, and think much like a company, I sustain some losses, right? And say, you know what? We want to be in a position to actually hire a lot more people than we need, or at least eventually get to that point. Cause I think wow. we're still catching up. Right. Okay. And so, whereas maybe two years ago, we could have made a very, a very, a pivotal decision to say, Hey, you know, we've got, we've now got a million dollars or a million and a half dollars coming into the company. You know what? Screw it. Let's get rid of our unprofitable customers. Let's only keep the best team members and that's it. And then, you know, Chad and I can take uh, three, $400,000 and let's stop. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And we would have, and we could have, and we could have just maintained that we could have maintained a, you know, very or highly profitable, very small organization. Right. And, and that would have been okay. Now, okay. I'll throw out a few ideas here, which is, and I know each one of them is a sort of a separate conversation, but I think when you've made the decision to go from, you know, highly profitable, small to, I want to grow a bigger organization, maybe you can have, they can go hand in hand, but I think it's very difficult. And here's what I mean, is that in order, you're, if your product is people, right, it means you have to have an organization for sustainable growth to create those people. Okay. And you to create meaning you have to mentor. So you have to take somebody that's a university grad that has this ball of potential. And somehow after X amount of years go, Hey, you can do what I do. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do that, this is not sustainable. 
Mm. Right? That's, that's a leadership kind of, model, it sounds like. That's exactly. It's a leadership and mentorship model. That's what your organization needs to do in order to be sustainable. And so it takes time to create leaders and mentors within an organization. And particularly in accounting, where leadership and mentorship is not something that's taught. It's not something that's encouraged in a lot of other firms. So when you bring someone from a different organization, like if I go to a big four and I try to bring someone here, a lot of times they're lacking those qualities. Uh, There might Mm. be great technically and maybe management of people, but certainly from a leadership and mentorship, at least in the way that we think of that, it's it's not there. And so you've got to invest in that person, not just money-wise and pay their salary, but you've got to put a lot of time to teach those person to impart the certain skills of leadership and mentorship that you want them to impart in others. Because of all that, right? You, if you hire someone today, you might not get their full potential for a full year. Mm. And that, that in oh. itself is a scary thing because from a, from a resource point of view, uh, they can walk away, you can lose money, they can be the wrong person. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. However, yeah. when this goes right, and we have a lot of examples here, we're very lucky to have examples of when this goes right, uh, we are only now, like literally maybe in the past couple weeks, uh, are seeing the effects of the past two or three years of mentorship. Wow. And but what I mean is that Chad and I used to be the guys that were trying to teach all the stuff to others. And all of a sudden, we're now seeing our senior managers without us doing a lot of that mentorship. And, and next thing I know, Chad and I turn around and go, wow. I didn't realize that that so-and-so who was an associate a year ago can now do all this and is now leading calls and is doing this with clients. I didn't have anything to do with that. Right. And all of a sudden we have a sustainable organization. And so that's the shift. That's the shift that happens in your mind. But at some point you and Chad had to realize, okay, we're not just teaching people how to do tax returns. We now have to teach people to be leaders. That's kind of our job now. And so so you have to switch your mindset, right? And you had to build a class that the new people go through. And so now, is it true that you have to spend a lot of your time investing in the leadership of the people on your team? That's what your time is spent doing or should be. Is that right? That, that's right. And I think what, what a lot of people forget when you look at professional service firms is we think of tech firms and we like, like Uber or Snapchat. You look at their books and you're like, these guys are unprofitable, mm. right? You look at a lot of big companies are unprofitable. And the, the, the reason is a lot of tech companies are unprofitable is because a lot of times they're investing in R&D, right? right? And R&D right. is either development salaries or it's prototypes or whatever. Professional firms, we don't think of R&D. And I think that's a very mm. big mistake because wow. the R&D that we're making wow. right, is the investment in each other. And if you don't mm. consider that, if you say, I expect to hire a, you know, out of the box, right, turnkey professional that I can just throw into my organization and they're going to contribute their full potential. I think that's very incorrect. Or you have to have a very, very specific business model for that to work. That's amazing. That's good stuff. Uh, the, the whole idea that in, in our profession, R&D is investment in people. That's that's a total paradigm shift, mind blower. But you, uh, but you know what? It's, yeah. it's wow. I think it's only key if you're trying to build and grow the organization, right, Josh? So if you right. want to be a sole proprietor, then it doesn't matter you because you're investing in yourself. You know you can serve clients. You know you can talk to them. You know you can do the tax return. If it's just you, R and D is not an issue. You don't need it. I would disagree. I think R&D is something that also happens internally, right? Is that you push yourself. I mean, my R&D right now is trying to figure out how to scale a company, right? I don't know how to do that. I'm figuring it out. And 
And when we're going through this, I find myself a much better advisor to the people that I advise. Because mm, yeah. when I look at other people that are scaling and they go, Josh, how do you scale? And I'm here I am sipping a margarita on, on a beach going, <laughs> oh, well, uh, if, I, if I look up my scaling textbook, I can see this. <laughs> like, what do, you know, what, do, what do you know about scaling? Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and so going through all this stuff is just a constant R&D. And the more you push yourself out of the comfort zone, that's your R&D. That's your personal professional development. It's not, sorry, CPA Canada, but it's not your 40 hours of CPD that you right. do each year by watching a webinar. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, perfect, maybe, maybe, if they're, maybe if they're watching a webinar that Josh is teaching, maybe that would help. <laughs> maybe not. Right. I don't know. This is my CPD pitch. That's Pick me. Yeah, for your <laughs> yeah. yeah you're, you're just begging right. to do a webinar for them, Josh. That's all. Right, right, we know what you're right. doing. So, so Josh, these are, these are all the risks. You've been talking about risks you've taken. So risks to you are good, right? Uh, risks are are what push you out of that comfort zone to make you a better professional or a better organization. Now, there's responsible and irresponsible risks. Yes. Right, and, and I guess that's your, what's your threshold for risk, but I certainly think that there's a very big element of risk if you're going to grow because what you're saying is, hey, I don't have the work yet, but I believe in this model so much that I'm willing to make that investment. Yeah. Wow. How much time do you and Chad put into planning your growth? Or, or do you like y'all, y'all spend time planning out what you got to go do next? Or maybe you just know. now more than we used to now okay. more than we used to. I think again, if we're talking about personal growth or personal R and D, Chad and I've had this conversation many times over as to what we think this is going to look like. And only now are we finally going, huh? Like, no, we have to, we now know only based on anecdotal experience, right? That, uh, you know, when we hire a senior manager, let's say, uh, at a certain level, that it takes about a year before they're able to really capitalize on their potential. Wow. And a year of perhaps me or, or Chad or, or someone else in the organization spending a lot of time with them to show them how we do pricing, to show them how we do uh, lead our client calls a little bit different, to show them how we ask questions, to show them how we do a new lead, right? So that, that's what I'm saying is now, now that we know that, the planning becomes a lot easier because we can go, okay, we now know we need another senior manager by, let's say, next January, which means we have to hire them now. Ah, see. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's the investment you're going to make is the salary and the training you have to put in now so that they'll be ready in January. True. So that's exactly. So that's one type of planning. Another type of planning, this is something that we're going through now. We don't know the answer to this is uh, I, think, you know, there's, I think each organization has a tipping point as to when one structure worked. And what I mean is, uh, you know, up to probably two months ago, when we were an 18-person organization with, say, three managers, it was really easy because the three managers had their workload and they could pick an associate uh, to do some work. Now we've got five managers, uh, two ma- you know, sorry, five senior managers, two managers, a whole bunch of associates in this, in this big team, and now one of the biggest issues is prioritization. You know, how am I supposed to, pri- if I'm an associate, I'm working with uh, seven different people. How am I supposed to know uh, what stuff to do first, okay. especially when emergencies come up? Yeah. And so now we're going through this whole new growth problem of, well, do we split into smaller teams? What does that look like? We're experimenting with this idea of pods uh, to limit the amount of people that people work with. And I think the reason that's an issue is because you and Chad can't make the decision for them anymore. You can't say, go do that mm. tax return first. So somebody else has to make the decision, which means 
you guys have to build a structure that helps them make the decision. Is that right? That's right. I mean, Chad and I haven't been doing that for a long time on the granular level, but uh, certainly the senior managers have. And it's it's reached now a point which uh, it's it's just too many people doing too many prioritizing of things so that it's very hard for at the associate level uh, for them to know which manager is more important, which client's more important. So we need another structure to support that. I see. Wow. And you're, so you're going to build a new set of processes, basically. Basically is what we're trying to figure out now, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. We're out of time, man. I know, but this has been so good, God. Josh. You're, I could ask the, you a this, billion questions, man. Totally. And the stuff that you're doing and the, the, the stuff that you're thinking about, just, you know, it just inspires thoughts and, you know, reflection in terms of, you know, are, are we doing things right ourselves? Uh, so it's, yeah, great. Great input, man. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Josh, for for being on the podcast, and I hope you enjoy your um, your lifestyle firm in Medellin. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hasta luego. Uh-huh. Hasta la pasta. Wow, Josh Weig blew our mind, didn't he, man? On growth, yeah, he he he's... he brought it back. Yeah, he he he, he mashed our talk. He just destroyed ours, and his was yeah. much better. <laughs> okay, can, and can I tell? Can I tell Sorry. you this? When he was talking about his hiring process, yeah. he was going th- so fast through so much stuff that I'm completely unfamiliar with. I needed like a video montage behind what he was saying. Oh, I almost yeah. am like, like you need to. Re- we need to rewind to that part of the interview and play it on like one half speed, just <laughs> to kind of go. Okay, so you do this, and then because it all was, it was gold. This dude was gold. Uh, the stuff, I mean, again, I'll say it. I just said it a minute ago, but the whole idea that our our profession's R&D is investing in our people. That's yeah. how we do our research and development. Brilliant. Love it. Yes, uh, so, yeah, thanks so thank, to Josh again yeah, for thanks, being Thanks to Josh for being on there. Hey, and if you think Thrival is a, is a way that you can grow your firm, too, and to help you understand what growing a firm is versus a lifestyle firm, you can join us. Did you know every month I do a Thrival intro call? You can find the uh-huh. link just to register. It's just a free call. It takes 30, 40 minutes. And I just explain what it's Thrival all about. It's called the Thrival intro call. So just register and come Wait, and, come check us out. And you're, you're on the call every month? I'm on the call every month. You so can, you I'm, can ask me questions about growing your firm. What? You're kidding me. No. That's awesome because you're, you're a celebrity. So if you want to meet the celebrity Jason Blummer, get on that call. Um, also, one of the things that would be great, if you like this Thrivecast, uh, we'd love it if you'd give us some ratings on iTunes or Stitcher yep. or Pandora or Sirius XM Radio Something. or uh, WCNZ or however you get yes. this podcast. Get on there. Give us a rating. We'd love a comment, uh, stuff like that. Just, just uh, you know, it's a free podcast. Uh <laughs> Give us, a, give us a rating. That's how you could. That's, that's how you pay, pay us, man. That's actually, exactly. Uh, someone else that we need to give a big sh- shout out to because on our off air times, we've sort of been busting his balls is Aaron, Aaron Dowd. He's our audio engineer and we couldn't do this without him. No. Uh, he's got some great things. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, check him out. Find him on Twitter, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jennifer Blummer is our producer. So she kind of works through the content, guides Greg and I so that we don't go too far off of tangents, which maybe we still do. I don't know. 
Right. Um, but her, 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 uh, behind the scenes notes, you know, and stuff are very stuff good. That yeah. She does get this ready. We couldn't do it without her. It's, it's amazing. Um, Jason, how can people uh, get a hold of you besides signing up for the, uh, the monthly thrival call? Well, probably just to learn more about me, I write, uh, you and I both write a blog post on thrival.com. You can go to the mm-hmm. blog and see things that we write, but you can follow me on Twitter at Jason M. Blummer. How do people find uh-huh. you, Greg Kite? Um, you can go on Instagram and mm. look at uh, my photos. Uh, I am Greg Kite with a Y. Actually, everything, any kind of social media, just Greg Kite all mushed together. Okay. That's me. So okay. Twitter, in, the Insta. I'm not on Snapchat, so don't look for me there. No, I'm not there either. Uh, we're, t- we're we're in our mid 40s, so we're not on Snapchat. Is how that works. So <laughs> I'm gonna. No, I actually. You know what? Shut up. I am. I actually Are just you? remembered. I did active. I downloaded the app like forever ago. I just. So if you follow, if someone, if follow me, for, Greg K five nine six four. I don't, I don't even know what it is because I've done nothing. Like I, I took a picture of me and put like a kitty filter on my face, Greg. and that's like all I've done. So it's ridiculous. You just Anyways. whatever username they gave you that was not taken. Probably. <laughs> I can't even remember. That's I can't stupid. even remember. Okay, thank oh, you for geez. listening, people. We love you so much. Okay, take care. Next month. Till next month. Bye. Bye.